you're here with us this morning. I'm glad to be back. Last week, um, I was actually in Louisiana doing a youth retreat for a, a crew out there, and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I uh, got to go to South North Toledo Bend State Park, where uh, it's a giant reservoir of water, um, which we don't have here. The, uh, but it was a, a good time, and we closed up on, on Sunday, and we drove all the way uh, to Amarillo from southern Louisiana and just got on it and went. Now, driving through Texas on the way back, and even really on the way there, but on the way back especially, I really got to thinking about some things, things that irritate me. I'm not sure if you've ever been in a car with kids on a 17-plus-hour drive, but you start to think about things that, that irritate you. And so I was driving along, and I realized... There's a lot of things that irritate me, and I started thinking about pet peeves, and I started thinking about things outside the car that irritate me, and I started thinking, you know what, I think a lot of us have a lot of pet peeves, and I started, take, just take a minute, take just a minute and think about maybe two pet peeves that stand out for you, two of them that just really get under your skin. Think about it just for a second now. I'm going to try and guess a couple of yours. I'm not going to do the genie thing or anything, but I'm just going to try and guess a couple of yours. These are the ones I wrote down that I bet some of you might be thinking of. When you go to a fast food restaurant, okay, and you're standing in line at that fast food restaurant, and there's two people in front of you. One person's ordering. There's a person behind them. You're waiting. You're waiting patiently. You're trying to figure out what you're going to get off the menu, and the person that, that orders is now done. They step off, and the next person in line steps up, and they just stare at the menu, as if they hadn't been staring at the menu for that long amount of time. They have no idea what they want. I'm not sure about you, but that irritates the snot out of me. It's like you've been standing there. There's not that much. I mean, you're talking about Chick-fil-A. What's there, six total things to pick from? Just pick something and get out of the way. That's what I'm thinking, okay? That's kind of the first thing that popped in my mind. The second thing I wrote down was this. We went out uh, to, to dinner. Christy and I got to go out on a date on Friday night. And while we were there, it was... It was uh, amazingly busy. I, I guess I don't go out on Friday nights enough. And um, all the booths where you sit in the waiting area at were full of kids sitting, and there's old people, and I don't mean old like in a negative way, just older people that were standing. And, I, man, when I was a little kid, if I would have done that, my mom, my dad would have backslapped me, told me to get out of the seat for them to, to, so they could sit down. But they just sat there on their phones. And, of course, that's the next thing on the list is – when you're in that restaurant and people are, are sitting and talking to each other, maybe this is one of the, your things, or supposed to be talking to each other, you know, you're having a date or a time together, and both people are texting. And your kids are there, and they've got their headphones in, and they're doing whatever they're doing. And I'm like, what is the point? You could do that at home and not spend the 40, 50, 60 bucks it's going to cost you to eat out and do that. It's just one, so one of those things. And then, of course, you get into the cell phones, you think about people driving. Anybody really enjoy People talking on the cell phone in front of you while they drive in the fast lane. One of the beautiful things about Texas, beautiful things about Texas is they have a state law. It's actually a sign on the freeway, and it says left lane is for passing only, which means you're not allowed to putz along in the fast lane. You know, God put accelerators in cars for a reason, so we use them, okay? Amen. Anybody? Come on, feed me one. The, I'm driving along, and I see the sign, and I'm like, 
I'm like, this is great, and I'm passing, and I'm passing. And I come up on a car that is in the left lane, and there's nobody in the right lane. I'm like, did they not see the sign? And you would not believe where the license, this, we're on the east side of Texas, where the license plate was from, and I had to laugh out loud. New Mexico. I was, I, it, I was laughing out loud at the fact that this, I'm like, that's it. That's, that, that's why God put me here, to test my patience on a daily basis. There are two huge pet peeves that I have. One is the way that people drive. I'll tell you. The other one is people at the store. When you go into Walmart, especially, and I, I have to bring up Walmart because it seems to be the common place for it to happen. It happens elsewhere, but Walmart. They have a 20 items or less lane for a reason. Okay, that's because if you have 20 items or less, not or more, 20 items or less, you're supposed to be in that line. And I don't know what the deal is with it either because they always seem to put the slowest checkers at Walmart in the speedy lane, and I'm not quite 100% sure about that, but it drives me crazy. And I'd be willing to bet if we had open mic night and had everybody, everybody come up here and we would just have a good time laughing at the things that we get peeved about. Some of you might say, well, you know, I hate it when I go to the doctor's office and there's an entire row of chairs all around and the other person that's hacking and coughing sits right next to me. Yeah, that person drives me crazy too. Those are things that really get under our skin. But I got to thinking about, as I'm driving, these things that kind of drive us crazy. And there's things that, that we have pet peeves about in church as well. And I got to thinking about pet peeves in general. What is it that makes us so irritated about them? What is it that gets underneath our skin? I think it's because we start asking ourselves a question of, how can this person be inconveniencing me in this way? How can they be so inconsiderate and inconvenience me when I should be able to do as I please and you need to do what I think is right? Isn't that really what it boils down to? I mean, as much as we don't want to admit it, that's really what it boils down to, is that person has inconvenienced me, so I'm mad at them. They're driving the speed limit, and they shouldn't be. They should be going faster. That is inconveniencing me. Yet they are doing what's right, and we are maybe not. But we ask ourselves, why do they do it this way? Why? What is wrong with them? I mean, it is a question we will ask out loud. And, and we have that same thinking in church of the things that inconvenience us. Maybe when you walked in this morning, you didn't like Dunkin' Donuts. You only like Krispy Kreme. Well, tough. I like Dunkin' Donuts, so I drove a little bit further and went and got them. And the reason why we got Dunkin' Donuts, by the way, just in case you were wondering, today is our 150th Sunday as a church. So we're just kind of celebrating that fact. I'm excited about that. We started on April 4th, 2010, and uh, other than one Sunday we had to take off due to weather because the schools wouldn't open for us, we have been here now 150 Sundays, so it's kind of fun, kind of exciting, but it's funny that how much we can get the little things that'll bother us. I mean, maybe that, that does bother you, the fact that you don't like Dunkin' Donuts, or maybe it's the fact that that the music wasn't exactly what you were hoping to get out of today. You didn't want to sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord. You wanted to sing something a little bit different. Maybe you wanted to sing a little faster. Maybe you wanted to sing a little slower. Maybe there's little things that we just, I don't like it this way. I'm not going to go there. It, it, it becomes this, this idea that everything is about us. Our inconveniences are about us. And I'm here to tell you today, and hopefully every Sunday, 
that it isn't about us when we walk into here. It isn't about us when we walk out of here. It is not about you. It is not about me. I got to thinking about it, this fact. We tend to devote so much time to ourselves. We, there is somebody you are madly in love with in this room, and you are sitting in the same seat as them, okay? It is us. We, we love ourselves. But aren't we a little bit small to devote our entire lives to? Aren't we a little bit of a small thing to devote our entire lives to? I got to thinking about it today with this being our 150th Sunday. I got to think about all the Sundays I've ever been in church. And as I got to thinking about it, I looked at the internet, and there's amazing calculators on there. And because there's amazing calculators on there, one of the calculators I could do is I could enter the date I was born to today, and it'll tell me how many days I've been alive. That is 13,546 days I have been on this planet. 1900, and I know this is even more crazy, that that same calculator told me 1,936 of those days have fallen on a Sunday. Of the 1,936 days that I can count, and if I don't count sporadic Catholic mass attendance when I was real little, about 1,400 or more of those Sundays I've spent in church. That's 1,400 messages, not including when I grew up in church, there was Sunday night service, and there was Wednesday night service, and there was Tuesday prayer meeting, and there was Thursday EE. So if you don't even count those things, but you've got to think, 1,400 messages. That, that doesn't include the, the weekend retreats that had four or five messages in it. That doesn't include going to Sunday school and then to, you know, none of that thing. Just, just 1,400 messages that I've heard in a grand scale of things. And as I got to thinking about that, I got to thinking, that means I've sang a whole lot of hymns in my life. That means I've sang a whole lot of worship songs in my life. It means I've heard a whole lot of prayers in my life. And what has it done for me. Because we tend to walk into church wanting something for ourselves. We tend to walk into church saying, this is about me, and if I don't like it this way, or if they're not meeting this need, as a matter of fact, they did a survey of evangelical church attenders, and 82% of the people that responded said that church is about me and meeting my needs. 82%. And as I looked at that stat, and I thought about how many Sundays I've been in church, how much has it really done for me? How much has it really affected me? Because when I've walked out of those services, I can almost guarantee there's been times when, like, man, that was brutal. And there have been special music things that I've heard and going, oh, that's why we don't do special music here. I'm just going to be honest with you. Because there's days I didn't want to invite friends because I'm like, I'm not sure who's singing today. You know. And... And, and that's just across-the-board kind of thought. We think about it in those terms. Well, how is this going to meet my needs? But when in all reality, we should walk out of service. We should walk out of our Sunday school, our connection groups, our, these times and say, what instead, in, instead of what did I get, what did I give? How did I praise God today? How did I bring something of worth to Him? And we're going to be sitting here today, and this is the table of the Lord. If you haven't been with us before, as we've done communion, we do it a little different. Here, I'm going to uncover the elements shortly. We don't do it all together. We don't say, all right, take the bread now, take the cup now. This is how we do it. 
It's going to be a time where we're going to uncover the elements, and we want you to either come up as an individual, as a family, as a, a, w- with some friends, a- and take those, and you can either go step off to the side, you can go back to your seats, you can get on your knees, you can stand someplace, and you take it as you feel led to. Because this is communion between you and God. And I think sometimes we get into communion, and we, even since I was young, and first started taking communion, I was told, well, this is a time where you confess your sins, and you get your heart right with God, and you remember what Jesus has done for you. And I don't entirely disagree with that, but I don't entirely agree with it either. Because it's not about us. As a matter of fact, in the four Gospels, the four Gospels in Matthew 26, in Mark 11, and in Luke 22... John's the only one that doesn't record it, but it is recorded in 1 Corinthians 11. In those four books, the recording of the Last Supper, all four of them say the same thing. Jesus took the bread, he took the cup, and he said, do this in remembrance of you. He said, do this in remembrance of all the sin that you've done. Do this in remembrance of of how this is going to make you feel when you leave. He said, do this in remembrance of what? Me. We do this to remember Jesus, not to remember ourselves, not to come and say, man, I got a great emotional feeling out of that, and I feel so much better, I can make it through the rest of my Sunday. It is about Jesus. We do this in remembrance of him. Not in remembrance even so much of what he's done for us, but in remembrance of his life and his death and his resurrection. It helps us to remember Christ not as much as reflecting on our own sin, but reflecting on the sinless life that God had. As it says in Matthew chapter 20, that that Jesus didn't come to get the glory. He didn't come for us to all look at him. He came to serve, and it helps us remember that in Matthew 20, 28. I did not come to be served, but to serve. And as we remember that about Jesus, we can say, yeah, I want to be more like Jesus. So if I want to be more like Jesus, maybe this is the attitude I need to take on myself as well. And these are the things we're to remember. These are the things we're to reflect on. These are the things we're supposed to look at with God. We need to be more like Jesus. And that is why we remember. It should be our goal as Christians. If it's not your goal, I would suggest you check yourself in your standing with God. If you have no desire to be more like Jesus, you may not be a Christian. Because that is what he came and died for. It's what we're to remember. We're to remember Christ and his sacrifice for all. And he didn't just die so we could get into heaven. But he died so he could get into us. And change us. And have a relationship with us. And transform us into what he wanted us to be. And that is why he came and he died and he rose again. And Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. It says, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on that night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. He then broke it into pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for who you are, and we're thankful for your son, Jesus Christ. 
Help us not to make this about us, but God, to make it about you. To come into your presence, to feel your love, to experience the good gifts that you have given us. God, you are so amazing. Today, as we come to the table, I pray, Lord, that we remember that. Remember the gift that was given because this world was full of sin and you wanted a relationship with it. God, we pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to uncover the elements now and you don't have to come now. You can come whenever you feel it's right and you can come during the music. You can come while I'm speaking and I'll tell you towards the end that this is when it's starting to wrap up. So if you haven't come yet and you still want to, I'll kind of give you that last call warning. But come when you feel you're ready. This is a time of worship. This is a time of remembering what Christ has done for us. So I want to give you that opportunity. Throughout the music, you can stand, you can sit, you can kneel. We just ask you to worship with us.
second part of that, the last verse of that passage, you can be seated. I want to read it to you again, because after it says, do this to remember me as often as you drink it, he says, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. You know, we don't just come to this, te- this table to remember Christ, we also come to announce, to proclaim his death. As we sing the songs, as we, as we sit and think and remember, look what Jesus did. We're proclaiming that. We're letting it out as a group. I want to ask you, what is it that we're actually proclaiming? Why do we need to proclaim? And I think the first thing is we proclaim why Jesus' death was necessary. Why Jesus' death was necessary, and I think most of us know it, The reason why Jesus' death was necessary is because all have sinned. Because all have sinned, for everyone has sinned. We all, all, every single one of us fall short of God's glorious standard. The second reason is, is that because all have sinned, sin has deadly, deadly results. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. We earn death because of our sin. But, I always tell the kids this, this is the biggest but in the Bible. But, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. We all sin. Sin has deadly results and there's only one remedy for sin. And it tells us in Hebrews 9.22, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, without Christ dying on the cross, there is no forgiveness. And Jesus was the only acceptable sacrifice. First Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors, the, the life that we've been given down from Adam and Eve. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb. There was nothing else we could have. Christ death was necessary, and we proclaim that as we take time at the table. We also proclaim the far-reaching effect of Jesus' death. You see, there were two effects, really, it had. One was the universal effect. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He died to intercede between us and God. Also, there's the eternal effect and you've, already, you've probably heard this verse a time or two, but it says this in John three sixteen: For God so loved the world, He loved it so much that He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. We are proclaiming that as we sit at this table. We also proclaim the blessings that we get from the Lord's death. I know I said it's not about us, but that's why He came, was for us, to build a relationship 
with us, between us and God. We proclaim the blessings that we get, and one of those blessings is the forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of sin, Ephesians 1, 7 says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. There's reconciliation with God because of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, because He shed His blood. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You see, we are far from God. We were separated from him, and he brought Jesus to reconcile the differences that were between us. The third thing is that we have as a blessing is we are justified. Romans 5, 9 says, And since we've been made right in, Christ, in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. And that leads to eternal life. As it says in Titus 3, 7, Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. We remember this, and we proclaim this, and it leads us to worship. It leads us to worship him because he has saved us. It's our only natural response to his amazing grace. He has given us so much. And all he's asked for return is our life and worship in return. But so often, too often, we turn it back on ourselves and we look at ourselves and we say, oh, if only, instead of listening to what God really has. Our next song we're going to be singing are great songs to take a moment and just worship him. Precious blood identified 
Lord, we 
Remember Christ, remember that it's not about us. While we take the Lord's Supper, we announce His good news until He comes again. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there at all. As a matter of fact, it's real easy to proclaim in here. It's real easy as a group of Christians to come and we, we say at the table and we, we, we get ourselves right with God. But see, in Matthew chapter 28, as Jesus was was leaving, he gave a great commission to his people. Not a great suggestion, but a great command to go and make disciples. To go into the world and proclaim his death. Not just proclaim it at church, not just proclaim it while we're sitting at the table, but proclaim it in our lives, in our actions, in everything that we do. I'm going to be very honest and transparent with you today. I've been struggling a lot lately with weak Christianity, and I'm tired of it. I'm tired of people claiming to be Christians and yet doing nothing in the name of Christ. It bothers me so deeply I mean, it makes me angry during the week when I fall into that category. But when I, when I think of people who, have, who came over 150 Sundays ago and have since left and haven't got involved in any other church, it kills me to think that, that they're out there saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't hang out with the bride of Christ. I don't, I don't, I'm not, not a part of the body. I'm not, that's what God has called us to. And they're, and they're not living for it. They're not speaking of it. And, and it just tears me up inside. I want you to close your eyes for just a second. I want you to to picture our church. Not the trailer that our church comes in. Not the cafeteria that we're meeting in right now. Or the kids area or even our office buildings. I want you to picture our church. That is the people who come and serve, who sing next to you, those who worship with you. Now I want you to picture... While you're picturing our church, I want you to picture a world that lives in rebellion to God's perfect plan. A picture includes your friends, your neighbors, and your family members. 
but it also includes 3 billion men, women, and children who live on less than $2 a day. A world that has more than a billion people who live in absolute poverty, many of which are starving and dying of preventable diseases. I want you to picture a world of billions of people, billions of people engrossed in false religions that are leading away from the one true God. And they will spend eternity without him because of it. Which means they'll spend an eternity suffering in hell. In this picture, I want you to look back now at the church. That group of people who've been transformed by the gospel of Christ. In your minds, you know Jesus died and rose again for your sins. You just proclaimed it as we celebrated communion. In your hearts, you've experienced life change. And while you may waver at times, when it comes right down to it, you know He is the only way, and only He can satisfy your soul. You've been challenged to go all in, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You know our call given to Jesus to go into the world and make disciples. You've been given the power through the Holy Spirit to do it. Now, as we sit here and we think, and with our eyes closed, I hope that you've lost the thoughts that might have said, this service didn't mean anything to me today. This service stepped on my toes today. I didn't like the songs. I didn't like meeting in the cafeteria for church. But instead you're thinking, as a body of believers, where can we, where can I start to proclaim what Jesus has done for the world? With your eyes still closed, you know, fear may have just entered into you. You're thinking, oh man, he's going to talk about having to go out and tell people about Jesus. Excuses may have entered your mind. But I want to remind you of something, that God has given you the power, and he's given you the opportunity. He has never failed you. He has never left you. He is the Lord of your life, which means he is the master and he is in charge. We are trying to lead when it's not about us. But God wants to be the leader because it's about him. Let us remember that God's love never fails. The last song we're going to sing today is a reminder that his love never fails, and because... When Christ died on that cross and rose again, it was a demonstration of God's never-failing love. God, we're thankful for who you are. As we wrap up this morning, I pray that you are speaking to us. Not in a way that it's about us, but Lord, that it's about you, that we need to turn over ourselves to you, to let you be the one that is in charge of our lives, not us, not us making poor decisions, not us trying to to do the right thing, but God, instead just following in your footsteps and sitting at your feet and worshiping at your feet and proclaiming the good news that, yes, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. Because of our sins, we were separated eternally without you, but because of Jesus Christ dying on that cross and raising from the dead new life came to us. God, this morning, there may be somebody who doesn't even know anything about that. I pray that you are working in their hearts and working in their minds, that even during this last song, they'll get on their knees before you, or they'll come and talk with me, and we will get on our knees before you to lift up your name and thank you and ask for forgiveness of our sins. We pray it all in your name this morning, Lord. Amen.